you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich. I'm Henry. Hello, Rich. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, life's good. Um, sun is shining. It's warming up. Springtime is, is here. And what? Well, we were probably two years into the podcast, I guess. Ooh, over two years now, mate. Oh, jeez. Two yeah. years in the spring. In oh my god. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's another another season, and uh, and we're still here. Yeah, and we are now following up our one hundred. But you've brought something a little bit less less mainstream, but a band that I think people will know, or that at least they'll know songs from them. Yeah, Le- less mainstream, sonically massive. Yes. Yes, agreed. Absolutely, 100% agreed. And we should get into that because I think that's something that appeals to both of us in terms of their music. Yeah, so the band is M83. The album's Hurry Up With Dreaming, which was released in 2011, although they've they've been around for 10 years before that. So where to start? I mean, they're, if, you don't, <laughs> if you don't know of them, what's their style? It's kind of synths, synth-heavy, new wave... Sometimes it drifts into 80s music. Maybe it's a little bit shoegaze. I think if I'd have to describe them as a band, if you think about Sigur Ross, Sigur Rose, the, when we <laughs> when, when we talk about them, they kind of give the backdrops and soundscapes to huge earthly wonders like kind of waterfalls and mountains. And just in my head, that's how I see them. Whereas for me, M83 almost provide that kind of galactic soundscape. Which is fitting because M83, the name of it is the name of a galaxy. Uh, so it's the, the southern pinwheel galaxy, apparently, which is right. 15 million okay. light years away. I knew it was something space related, but I couldn't remember what. So basically what you're telling us is they're a sci-fi Sugaros. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe less sci-fi, more just, more, more just space. Because it's right. kind of less laser guns and stuff. It's a bit more kind of, a bit, bit slower than that. Well, they've talked as a band about being influenced by Sigur Rose and Mogwai. Yeah. And that, to me, sort of... It doesn't pigeonhole them because they're that and then they're this whole other thing as well. Yeah. I, I did get excited. Here we go with a, with a weird aside. Um, I got very excited about <laughs> the M83 Galaxy, actually, because in Wikipedia it says you can see it through some binoculars. Okay. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to go out and look at it and find M83 before this podcast so i was going to do it last night turns out it's in the constellation of hydra which is in the southern hemisphere so gutted so so sorry Aww. all of you planet watchers and uh kind of star seekers uh, you can't see it if you're up in the north of the planet well our southern hemisphere listeners if we have any i'm sure we must have like a couple of kiwis after after we talked about lord we must have a couple of Kiwis listening yeah, now. and it's now your duty to go outside with a pair of binoculars and find <laughs> M83 just for, just for us. Just tell us you've done it. That would be awesome. Absolutely. All right, so tell us about the band. <laughs> yes, yes, They're sort of an interesting setup, aren't they? Because it sort of circles around one guy, but also one of his mates. Yeah, so they came from Antibes, south of France, so that's kind of between Cannes and Nice. And... Um, the, the lead guy is Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, he is M83. Though you're right, it was a duo with a guy called Nicholas Fromaggio. He was around for a bit, actually. He recorded up until their 2003 album, which is Dead Cities, Red Seas and Lost Ghosts. So he did a couple of albums with him and then they just went their separate ways. But really it focuses around Gonzalez. 
Okay. He wanted to be a footballer when he was young. He got injured when he was 14 years old. It must have been a proper nasty injury because his, his grandmother bought him a guitar to pass the time to, to heal up. Right. And that's when he started getting into music. Uh. And then at 17, he was started to record demos and sent his demo off to a record label. And then about two, three years later, in 2001, he released M83, the album, which was um, his, his first effort. So he's kind of tumbled into it from a, a period with his, with his feet up, I guess, off the football pitch. And yeah, recorded, recorded that first album. And it is impressive to have got to that point with that debut because M83 is a very solid effort and very musical. Yeah, and it, it already shows you the kind of style. He's already getting, getting big in his soundscapes. And yeah, it really starts to kind of show that. I mean, there's there's this, as you say, this influence from 80s kind of new wave bands. There's loads of synths. There's all sorts of, you can tell it's a home recording or at least it's a kind of, it's a first go, but it's still a pretty solid effort. So that's not really where he, or they got famous, right? They were very underground for quite a lot of the first, what, maybe even decade of being a band. Yeah, so he got to basically 30 years old. He had had, what, 10 years of making music, four or five albums under his belt. And so he decided to change his life around and move from Antibes and go to LA. Oh, so okay. he decided that he needed just inspiration, I guess. Mm-hmm. So moved there. And yeah, he moved there, got a bit homesick. But through all of that and that, that time in the States... That's really where he's um, found his inspiration for Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. And that really is, I think that's what makes this album quite impressive. Well, this is the album where you start to find songs that are that have got into the mainstream. I'm sure you're going to uh, dive into these, but there is one, one track in particular that we know everyone will know. Yeah, and I guess that song he talks about writing it and writing the, the the songs around it. It's a quote from him saying, I was inspired. I, I was going to museums, to the movies, a lot of live shows and inspired by the scene in LA. I was just enjoying myself in the studio. And he said, it's the first time in a long time that I was enjoying myself. I was just happy. So when you're happy, you compose a ton of songs. And so he basically hit that rare artistic gold seam and just dug it up just by being in, in Los Angeles. Right, and those of you who aren't sure what we're talking about, we're talking about Midnight City here, which to me is a song that sounds like LA. It sounds like it's been inspired by going to big DJ sets in classic LA club scene places. You know, it's got all of that dance party happiness about it. Totally. It is a very Los Angeles-based song. I mean, it's... If you said pick a city where this was recorded, it would be LA. It's got a massive sax solo in coming up in the end of it, which is just this huge kind of barrage from I think a guy called James King did the solo from a band called Fist and the Tantrums, and he's a very well known sax guy. So they must he must have been kind of getting into that scene in Los Angeles. And you talk about the artistic goldmine and finding that groove that he's clearly got into for this album. Can you imagine how delighted he must have been when he hit on that synth intro melody that you get at the start of the song? Well, so this is one thing I found out. It's not a synth. Oh, it's really? Melody. It's actually his voice. What? So it's his voice under massive distortion. Apparently, he, when he was recording it, he he had this idea of what it should sound like, 
and was recording it upstairs or in a room next door to where his girlfriend was and he was really self-conscious and embarrassed because he was making all of these funny weird squeaky noises it's this a bum 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 that hook right and so he, he did this and imagine if he had been too embarrassed to record it he was nervous about doing it and thought he'd get laughed at but off the back of it he gets this little hook that is um incredibly well known and it's been in all sorts of adverts and soundtracks and movies and it's really their kind of go-to song yeah if you don't know midnight city by the song title go and listen to that song on the playlist and you'll immediately recognize it it's been it's been everywhere and for what a decade now almost yeah more it's the second song on the album but it's it's huge and it was the way i found them I don't actually know how far it got into the charts, but it definitely got airplay. Well, the reason why people recognise it, I've just realised as I look on Wikipedia to find out, is that it started out as the Maiden Chelsea theme tune. (laughs) So that's why it's well known. Yeah, and off the back of that, he's had just the commercial success has been massive. So I think Victoria's Secret adverts, Gucci have been featured as stuff, Black Mirror, that programme. That programme. That (laughs) programme. And then off the back of this whole album, he was signed up to do the soundtrack for Oblivion, the film with with Tom Cruise. What was interesting to me was I found an interview in Pitchfork where he talks about this period and says that basically he was terrified by Midnight City because of the success. And he's quite a insular introverted, likes his own space and his own privacy type. I mean, you've talked about him being nervous about even just in a recording setting of making these noises and thinking he'd be laughed at. This is the kind of guy he is. So imagine then getting that level of attention and fame and being invited to create a soundtrack for Hollywood. I mean, should have been a blockbuster, was a really terrible film, but still, you're being invited, someone who's really only just hit the mainstream at that point, to create that for someone's cinematic vision. Yeah. And one thing we should mention about the album as well, before we start going right into the tracks, is that it's 22 songs long. It's a double album. And he was inspired by the um, Smashing Pumpkins with obviously Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which we did a, a, an episode on. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of surprising is, yes, it's a double album. It's got 11 songs on each side, but it actually kind of runs through quite fast. There's some instrumentals on there. But the whole album doesn't feel like a huge burden to get through. In fact, no. in, in my opinion, I think it's easier to get through than Dead Cities, which is is a tougher listen. Yeah, I think there's an, there's an airiness and a happiness to it that doesn't make it hard work. Yeah. As you've talked about, it's sort of that soundtrack to stunning visuals. You, you talked about galaxies and things like that, but it really genuinely evokes that kind of magnificence of the universe as a theme, just in their music in this whole period, not just this album. Yeah, and there's a song called Wait, which is a few songs into the album, which is is huge, and it's slower. And so Midnight City is almost quite disco-y, or at least it's kind of, you'd hear it, potentially hear it in a a bar or club, but some of these other songs are huge, kind of epic, sprawling songs, and, and Wait's one of those. Yeah, Wait's fantastic, and you can really hear the influence on his music from Cigaro's in here. The thing that he does really well here that they also do really well is taking an initial individual thread 
or theme of melody or music and just building around it and building and building and building and building until you get this huge epic crescendo and then everything just sighs and breathes and dies away from that towards the end of the song he does it again in outro which i know is another track that you're going to want to talk about but it's not just those tracks there's just that orchestral thing that's in here is it's just fantastic my tears are becoming a sea as well so i'm stealing all of your songs you want to talk about aren't i yeah well i was going to go for the one before that actually soon my friend is this proper slow burning orchestral one and then it goes into my tears are becoming a sea which he mentions which is a bit more alive and yeah he just creates these big old soundscapes and if you're in the right mood it's magnificent it is proper kind of go up to the top of a mountain and watch a sunset and just put this in your ears and just blah you'll you'll just get taken away it's awesome which is why i guess you can see that so much of the music's been used on things like wildlife programs and science programs and things like that because it evokes wonder it is wondrous it is magnificent in places yeah and there's a track called steve mcqueen which is one of my favorite tracks on the album towards the end and it just it's this kind of building track and it's quite euphoric almost and it's a little bit more um kind of in the moment than, than some of these more huge songs yeah euphoric is the right word here you are absolutely spot on that's exactly what this music is when it's hitting its heights yeah and then i'll just finish with the final song on the album outro the album's book ended by an intro and an outro the outro on this album is magnificent it's one of the best pieces of music written in a long time and the way I stumbled across it, or at least revisited it, was a, a video for a computer game called Kerbal Space Program. And if you only do one thing with all this, if you don't want to listen to the album, if you don't want to listen to a song, just go onto YouTube, find that video and watch it. And it is about planets and space and these little Kerbal things. And, and it's just wonderful. It's just a magnificent piece of, I guess, computer animation and also music. And they just work so well together. Yeah, the orchestral build in this, there's strings, there's woodwind and brass in here. The percussion is just just stunning. This is a song that, if you're in the right mood, it'll make you cry. You know what? I was, yeah, I, 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 I've got emotion. I, I wouldn't say I've been bawling at my desk. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing where if you've had a load of beers and you put this on at the end of an evening and you watch it, it really goes for you. And then obviously you've got this... Um, <laughs> this animation of these little Kerbal things. So Kerbal Space Program, for those of you who aren't computer geeks, is basically a very almost, it's, it's almost like engineering gone computer games and you have to build rockets and they basically have real world physics engines in. So you can build pretty much anything you like, but if you build a load of rubbish, your rocket's just going to not get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And they, they man these rockets with little kind of greedy yellow Kerbal things who are look a bit like minions and I guess it's so that because the rockets crash and blow up so much, you see less kind of little humans getting splatted and it's lots of little Kerbals having trouble. But yeah, this video is kind of funny because you've got this strange juxtaposition of little Kerbals getting to the moon and then interplanetary travel and then cocking things up <laughs> in the way that kind of humans and most other life forms do after a while. Yeah, it, it just go and watch it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, you sent me that just before we started recording and I had a quick watch of it. And it is, it's this really lovely mix of magnificence and wonder and just hilarious slapstick <laughs> cock ups and things going on. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then that rounds out the album. So 
you go through this 22 song I mean actually it's only over an hour it's an hour and 13 minutes so it's not huge Mm -hmm. which is probably why it doesn't seem like 22 songs is tough to get through but it's worth it it's worth listening to and I think you kind of need to to be in that mood but this week I've just had this on on loop almost it's that good that you can just have it in the background and it can just fill your day yeah I think it's it's definitely one of those ones where if you're someone that does a job where you're not just on in meetings all day that where you can just stick headphones on and listen to music for a while this is the perfect background to write some computer code answering some emails it's that kind of music that is I hate this idea that background music can't be wonderful and brilliant because it is brilliant background music, but it's also just brilliant. It's the kind of music where I'll have it playing and then I'll be doing something else and then something will catch my ear and you'll just think, bloody hell, that hook's incredible. What's the name of the song? You find the song and write it down so that you can remember it and actually consciously listen to it. But it's got that power to to grab you when you're just zoning out and doing other things it's cool yeah and i think that's the thing is that you find yourself smiling without realizing that the reason you're smiling is the music that's playing in the back of your head exactly absolutely yeah did we touch on weight um i i said the word (laughs) but uh, but beyond that not really because i do think that needs a bit more of a of a bigging up as a song because it is just another one of the the absolute high points on the album it's a whopper yeah and it's another one that's it's five minutes 43 long and it sort of kicks off around the four minute 15 mark so you have this like really really slow burn that's really beautiful and it sort Mm. of winds around itself but when it kicks off it really goes for it how many people did you say had listened to it on spotify you mentioned it before oh almost a quarter of a billion which i was surprised (laughs) by because i didn't think this was as popular a song that yeah that's the kind of it hooks into people's consciousness i i bet a lot of those quarter of a billion are people listening to it again and again and again and again and just getting really into it yeah it's like 15 percent just you're listening this week (laughs) yes okay so m83 did you find them through this specific album it must have been midnight city i can't think of another point that i bumped into them but i just i don't know they, they feel like they should be more familiar how about you did you bump into them when they got really popular well i sort of i feel sad about how i've treated mot3 in terms of my listening over the years because i feel like let's go with more of the uh space related analogies i feel like i've orbited (laughs) their music quite a bit so i've i've sort of got on the edge of albums and i've listened to specific songs i've loved and i've gone oh yeah i really need to listen to more of this and then i've never just put an album on and let it play and loop and loop and loop Mm -hmm. it just i've never done that and i feel really bad about that because i've known about them for a long time i actually picked up the debut i don't know when it came out but certainly at some point within four or five years of that appearing but where i got into them was before the dawn hills so we've mentioned on this podcast before that i did a little bit of student amateur music reviewing for the bristol student newspaper Mm. and i don't know which track it was but there was something off this album that i'd been given to review and i liked and i never followed up and listened to the album properly until several years later yeah. But there's things on before the Dawn Hills, it's like Moonchild, which is just an absolutely wonderful track and really is just setting the scene for what was going to come later. I think this is where 
there's almost like this moment of oh this is how I make this music that I want to be able to make because he's talked about the fact that he's as we've mentioned a fan of bands like Mogwai and Sigurose and all that kind of stuff but this is almost feels like the album where he starts to get how to make that music work mm-hmm. Moonchild's it's another one of the slow build get bigger and bigger and bigger type tracks so another one that's worth listening to if you like those kind of things it has echoes of mercury rev so this is sort of the more film soundtracky style music on here that i think all of this stuff feels like that you've talked about it being soundscapes it can be the audio to something magnificently visual yeah and actually you mentioned um it feels like he's kind of getting into his stride that was the first album that he recorded on his own uh, so okay. that's probably where it's his vision rather than being kind of impacted by by his buddy yeah it makes sense uh, other tracks off here that i'd recommend are teen angst safe and a guitar and a heart uh, they're just gorgeous gorgeous tracks awesome but then i sort of lose track of them here and it sounds like you've started to pick up where i left off so did you ever listen to saturdays equals youth no, and it's actually got some quite good reviews. So uh, okay, and I have listened to it, but not enough to recommend songs. But uh, it's probably now going on my playlist after we've after we finish this recording. <laughs> but I I really lost track of them until I don't know why, but I must have had a bit of an M eighty three moment when when Junk was released, and I really really wanted to get into Junk, do it, try it is the first song on the album, and it's I guess one of the catchier ones, but it feels quite. It's almost a kind of 80s parody, and it's just a little bit too... Okay. I don't know, it just feels like the inspiration that he got from being in a new place in a new city, he doesn't have that, and he's using inspiration from 80s tracks and 80s movies, which just feels a little bit like it's it's been done before. So I listened to that, I really wanted to get into it, and didn't. And then I picked it up again when he released DSV2, which was this weird instrumental album. He's gone and released this kind of... I don't know, it's almost like, and I think he's tried to do this on purpose, kind of 80s computer game backgrounds, not like kind of 64-bit, but like back in the, the 90s when you got those kind of little computery tunes in the back of your whatever game you were playing. Mm-hmm. And he's tried to recreate it, and again, it feels a little bit simple. Okay. So I wouldn't recommend it. I think if you're going to start with them, just go for Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Did you ever get into much of the soundtrack work? Because we've, we've mentioned Oblivion's a rubbish film, but I actually quite like the music from it. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's a good soundtrack, and it feels like it's been hampered by a film almost. <laughs> and and I do wonder, because he was asked to write it, whether you get under time pressure and you're kind of told limited time, limited budget, the movie's coming out, you've got to do all this stuff. And you wonder whether it could have been even bigger if he'd had more space and time, but I'm just I'm just guessing. Right, and there's also a thing called Knife and Heart, which I didn't even know existed. I don't know whether you've listened to that. No. Fair enough. So we talked about them being this big, magnificent orchestral thing, but I don't know what they're like live, because I've never seen them. Have you? No, and I've not I've not even noticed. So I don't know whether he doesn't tour much, or whether they tour but not in the kind of gig venues that we keep an eye on. I don't know. And I'd actually be quite interested to see, firstly what a gig would be like with with him i assume it'd be pretty bombastic but also just the kind of size of gig venue he'd command because Mm. when you've got a a huge one-hit wonder like midnight city that potentially could draw in 
huge amounts of people to go and see one song almost mm-hmm. so I, I just don't know and, and it's a bit of a shame but um, I feel like I should I feel like he'd be a brilliant artist to see at a festival yeah so if you had him on I don't know like the Friday night or the Saturday night at somewhere like end of the road where it's big enough and six musicy enough of an audience that everyone basically appreciates m83 even if they didn't know them well yeah i've seen cigaros there and they were wonderful but it was freaking cold and because they're not <laughs> particularly the most energetic you know it was it was a bit of a hard watch not because of the music but just because i was freezing yeah i, I feel like m83 would fit that kind of space well particularly if he's bringing a large chunk of orchestral people with him to to kind of fill out that sound yeah i mean it's got that kind of headline sound hasn't it the last mm. band on just blow everyone away with a huge amount of just synth and noise and and also some of these tracks you know we've said some of them are slow burners some of them are actually quite upbeat they've got tempo some of them have got guitars on they are they're not just a a complete synth band well that's the other thing that interests me is whether he ends up being like someone like radiohead where you expect them to be quite dour and insular and staring at their own feet most of the time which they sort of are but they also are much more alive and dancey than you'd expect that kind of band to be and i wonder whether he would be like that as well well some of his press photos are of him with a guitar and someone else on stage with a guitar as well so Mm -hmm. they must have that live element which is interesting so yeah i kind of feel like i need to go and check them out see if they do a uh it's coming up for 10 year anniversary for hurry up we're dreaming maybe 2031 we'll get a 20th anniversary tour of that album sounds good i'll be there (laughs) 50 watching m83 jeez wow nice something to look forward to what about inspirations in terms of listening to this and where that's taking the taste (laughs) or is it not that so i have i have one single inspiration and it wasn't really an inspiration but after watching the kerbal space program video I became incredibly interested in Kerbal Space Programme and rockets and stuff, and I got into it. Okay. And so uh, for a short period of time, I was... Uh, and then I, I didn't actually buy the game. I was just watching to see if it was something I'd like to do. Right. And in the end, I realised that it would probably piss me off because while the geek side of me thinks of constructing all of these rockets and testing them out, sounds really cool. There's a and also patient side of me, which would probably get really bored of watching them not fly properly and I would throw it in the bin. So I kind of, I've resigned myself to the fact that I won't be launching rockets and I'd rather watch a video like that uh, every every once in a while. It's it's just worth such a good thing to watch. <laughs> Fair enough. How about you? Have you, because um, when, you're, when you're orbiting an M83, you probably don't have that much of an inspiration or they haven't probably led you to see many other bands. No, I think they're just one of those bands that sits in a genre that I already like that I enjoy when they pop up with something new that I'm going to enjoy. And I I have really enjoyed going back and listening to this album again. It's something that I hadn't really... I don't know that I'd listened to it in probably eight or nine years. Certainly hadn't listened to very much of their stuff. And, And they're, again, they're one that if they pop up on bbc6 music at some point with a random track and i'm like oh my god it's this this is great and i get really excited about it but yeah no they're they're not an inspiration in terms of turning me on to some kind of new genre or anything like that yeah they're just great Uh, yeah i I think there will be people on here who aren't quite aware of them maybe heard one song and thought and and actually if if your only experience of them is midnight city 
that's not really their main sound. Their main sound is, is bigger than that. So some people might have ignored them because of that. And right. they're worth listening to. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, totally agree. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. It's been a fun chat for me. I'm certainly excited to go back and listen to some more M83 because I might actually try and get into them properly this time. Do we have to label this episode 102 just so that we avoid the 101 thing or do we just not care we're not superstitious are we i don't care we're not putting we're not putting <laughs> m83 in room 101 no. by any stretch of the imagination this is not that episode no but yeah final call please someone in the southern hemisphere give us some give us some feedback on whether you can see m83 through some binoculars love to know yeah if anyone out there's got a, a nice big long lens camera and could take a photo of it and send it to henry that'd be lovely yeah thank you cheers cool thank you all Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. Cigarose in here. Cigarose in here. Cigarose. Fuck.